good. How are you guys tonight? Good. Just start with prayer. Father, we thank you that we can come to you in peace. We thank you that we can come to you in hope, like kids at Christmas, that we we hope, we know there's a day coming. We know, we believe, we stand. But even as we wait for that day that you come again, that you've given us things to do. You've given us a task. You've given us people to love one. You've, you've given us all of these things so we can have peace now in the waiting. Father, I thank you for our church. I thank you for just the, the simple opportunity to come together and hear your word and worship you, our King, our Lord, our Savior who is soon coming. Father, we thank you for those things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, first of all, I want to thank our kids and our, our young adults for being in here. And I want to invite you all to do something. Uh, Matt and I and, and the leadership team have been talking about some big things coming up in January for our, for our youth group. Um, but there is an orange card in your seat back in front of you. And I want you to even know that even as youth, we would love for y'all to join one of the grow teams. If it's the worship team, we love having youth on the worship team. If it's the production team, we love having youth on the production team. Mikey would love to have you. He's not near as scary as he looks, I promise. <laughs> but look at those different opportunities because one thing I don't ever want, guys, is, is for there to be separation. Like, I want you to have a, a flourishing youth group. Pastor Matt is doing a great job. He is learning. He's, he's being trained. He's, he's spending time in the Word and with other people learning to be a great leader. So I'm excited about the future for this youth group. But I don't ever want our church to be two different churches. We, we want to serve together. I want you guys, by the time you graduate high school, to know what team you belong on, to see some of the gifts you already have. I, I see it in y'all, but sometimes we, as adults, we don't, we don't know what you want. So tell us what you want, tell us where you want to serve, and we want to invite you in to do that with us, okay? So that being said, we're going to start talking about Advent Alert Expectancy. I was in a deer stand over the last couple of days. And it is a hard place for me to be because I like being busy. My cell phone didn't work in that deer stand. And I came home refreshed and recharged because I spent more time in prayer over the last two days than I've spent in a couple of weeks. And just asking God, just talking to God, just saying, okay, I'm setting aside this busyness. I'm setting aside this trying so hard. And I'm intentionally sitting here. Like, God, send me a deer. Send me something to look at. Send me something because I my, my hiney's hurting, okay? Like, my boots were frozen to the stand, and then I moved my boots and broke them loose, and I nearly fell out of the stand. Because it's funny how ice would do that. Like, it'll stick you in place, but then all of a sudden, you end up on your back, too. But I'm sitting there looking in this beautiful place. I was alert. And I was expectant because I knew what I was looking for. 
So much so that there was a there was a field that like about 300 yards away, there were some some trees and some bushes. Like I saw things that weren't even there. If you've ever spent any time in the woods, you know what I'm talking about. Like I, I could have swore I saw a couple of deer running back and forth. Alert expectancy. What are we waiting for? What are we looking for? What are we focusing on, right? So today we're going to talk about peace. Our expectancy, when we talk about Advent, Advent means arrival. So the time leading up to Jesus being here is, is, is an expectant anticipation of his arrival. And that alert expectancy, we're actually pulling that out of Romans in the fifth chapter. I need to turn this thing on. We'll get to Romans here in a second. Why do we take seasons in the church of, say, Advent or Christmas or Easter? Because you cannot think about everything all the time. There's other things that I honestly would rather think about sometimes. But most of those are rabbit trails. So I don't ever end up focusing. I don't ever end up focusing my attention on what's in front of me. And what is more important than incarnation and resurrection of Jesus? It's the reason we believe. What is the incarnation? If you don't know, it's, it's God made flesh. It's when, when God actually was, came down and was, was born to a teenage girl. First of all, can you imagine the trust that he has? Like, Mary was some of you guys' age. And God put his son with a teenage girl. And could you imagine being Mary? How scared would you be, even as an adult? And yet God said, don't worry, I'm at peace. And Mary literally held peace in her arms. Peace became a person. That is the incarnation. Love became a person. Hope became a person. Somebody that Mary embraced, that she saw. So Advent means to appear or to arrive. And the reason we're focusing on it is because of our stolen holy days. I despise materialism. And we get so focused on all the material this, material that, material this. I got to have this, I got to have that. I don't despise it because there's anything inherently evil. I despise it because it distracts my heart. And I get my desires offline sometimes. And I start focusing on all the other things, all the busyness. I mean, this is Christmas. We are supposed to be looking to Jesus, and yet we're looking everywhere but. That's my hope for this small group is that, that we lean in and we look to Jesus our hope and our Savior, and not have our holy days stolen anymore. That's all a holiday is. I think we should take the, the holiday and make them holy again. It has to do with our focus and where our attention is. So we focus on Jesus, the incarnation, the person that is hope, peace, joy, and love. In the church tradition for, since about the year 200, so about 200 years after Jesus came to earth, the church started 
taken a, a time in their calendar to remember. Because, you know, think about it. Jesus was born in this little bitty place of really, it wasn't even an important place until he was born there. And like wildfire, over the, the next 2,000 years, it has spread. In fact, his, his kingdom, and we'll revisit this here in a minute, his kingdom is spreading, it's growing. And it will never cease, according to prophet Isaiah. And, and peace will never cease. So, one of the things, our focus this week being peace, is what is peace? Is it just a feeling? Is it just a calm, tranquility? I think if we say that about peace, it's like, it's like saying salvation is just to get us to heaven. It's not untrue, but it's incomplete. So peace has more to do than simply a, tran- a tranquil feeling. I, I'm here to tell you, you can be led by peace into war, or you can be led by peace into rest. But we have to be alert and expectant. So we need to let Jesus, the person of Jesus, define these words for us. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Because when we let him define what these words mean, what's a definition? It, it's the picture that you see in your mind when you hear a word. Like if I say black dog, what kind of black dog do you see? Is he big? Is he small? Is he fluffy? Does he, does he have hair at all? We all probably have a little bit different picture. But when we look to Jesus to define the words for us, our minds expand. And we get to see something bigger and something richer. Have you ever had a really good meal and it was rich? I mean, it just had, it had all these different spices and flavors, and it had, if it was made at my house, it had lots of butter in it and, and cream and real ingredients. But there's a difference in, in something that's made with those rich ingredients and something you go buy off the shelf. Like they were trying to do what they did at home. That makes sense? So let's start to get into Scripture because I really believe Scripture what does Scripture do? It's, it teaches us. It reproves us. It's good for, for knowledge and doctrine. But here's what Scripture really does. It points to Jesus. All Scripture is pointing to Jesus. We can't make the Scripture our God, but we can make it a guide, a map that points us to Jesus. It's, it's important that we're looking to Him. It's like we talked about Sunday. Grace cannot be an, an, an end. It's a means to an end. Grace, if you're just looking for grace and you stop at grace, then guess what? You've made, you've made grace your God. But alternatively, if you understand what Jesus means by grace, it walks you into a relationship with Jesus. His grace makes, makes our relationship available. So Romans 5, this is Message Bible, it says, By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him, make us fit for Him, we have it all together with God because of our Master Jesus. How many of you feel like you have it all together? I didn't today even, by a long shot. 
with him, when we see that we enter in through faith, we have it all together with our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open the doors to God and discover the same, at the same moment he has already thrown open his doors to us. We find ourselves standing where we'd always hoped we might. Standing out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. There's more to come when we continue to shout our praise, even when we're hemmed in with troubles, because we know how troubles can develop a passionate patience in us, and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy, such as this, we are never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit, of the Holy, through the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. What would you pay for peace? Is there any price that you can put on peace? Not even having all the defined definitions of peace, what would you pay for it? Because there is a cost. It will cost you everything. You have to submit your life to God. And at the moment that you submit your life to God and trust Him and believe in Him, you will have peace. And it's worth every penny. It's worth every bit of it. And, and we are constantly fighting a battle of our minds. Are we going to stand in the Spirit or are we going to stand in our flesh? Sometimes it, like, you don't feel like He's heard your prayers. Sometimes you don't see what you prayed for immediately. I was, I was talking to my friend when we were in the deer woods this week, and things like, do we pray that we see a deer? Some people will have different opinions on that. I can tell you I prayed harder than I've prayed in weeks that I'd see a deer and that my friend would see a deer and that it'd be the right one. And it'd be one we could bring home. Guess what? It didn't happen. But you know what? It didn't shake my faith. I'm still going to pray for a deer every time I'm out because I know God loves me. You know, something, something's going to happen. My, my salvation doesn't ride on whether I see a deer or not. My hope doesn't ride on that. However, he has he sent me some pretty big ones in the past. So I have hope. And I had to wait in the past before too. So I have an expectancy. I love the next the next verse in Romans. Christ arrives right on time. Not in our time, in his time. Because his time is something different. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came, talked about this baby coming. 700 years. Are any of us going to be around in 700 years? Not walking like we are now. Unless Jesus comes and we're... That, that's the only way. 700 years. The reason I ask you guys as, as young adults serve is because 
this rides on you guys too. It's not all on my shoulders. It's on y'all's too. Because Christ arrives right on time. Um, Jesus' brother James was writing about prayer, and he said, he wrote a scripture in James 4 that says, you have not because you ask not. And you receive not because you ask amiss. You ask for your own lust, your own desires. And God cares about that, okay? But he is so big that his, when he answers one prayer, he's probably answering a thousand at once. You and a thousand other people at once. And he just weaves his, his word throughout creation. And sometimes we don't know what we're waiting on until we see it. So Christ arrives just on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. Praise God, that's awesome. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. There's hope in that for me. And even when we can't, even when we hadn't been, even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person, for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put His love on the line by offering His Son in sacrificial death, while we were of no use whatsoever to Him. Do you realize that you're of no use to God outside of His will? But guess what his will is? To bring you in and to co-labor with you. At that moment, when, you, when we die to ourselves, we have the opportunity to partner with God. You guys are faithful to be here. Do you know how much God wants every one of your friends at school, every one of your friends at, at wherever you go to receive him as well? And y'all get to be a light going out. Each one of us, when we go to work, when we go to the store, when the budget's tight and we're at Dollar Tree buying Christmas presents, there is a light that we can take there. There's, there's something in you that it has intrinsic value, and that's Jesus. And the people around you desperately need it. So we're going to review real quick. Last week we talked about hope. Why do we need hope? We say you can't live without hope, right? You've heard that said a million times. But why do we need hope? Because we are waiting for something. If you didn't have to wait for anything, you wouldn't need hope. If everything was perfect, if everything was already set in order right now, you wouldn't need hope. We hate waiting. We hate it. Why do we hate waiting? Because waiting forces us to be aware of our need and our lack of control. I like to be in control. Well, if I'm waiting on something, I don't have it. Because if I want something, why can't I have it now? But hope is God's response in us to the waiting. We think that if we get what we want, when we want it, I must be in God's perfect plan. How self-centered is that? If every time I pray, every time I, 
I ask God for, I promise you, I'm going to get pretty self self centered if I, it just happens like that. I'm going to think I'm God's gift to creation for one. And I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Waiting is the place where we can see how great and how vast God's ideal plan really is because He's not just going to bless you, He's going to bless the people around you. In fact, He's going to bless you for other people. And he's going to bless other people for you. That's when we, when we start saying those prayers. When it talks about we, we pray in a miss, that's what it's talking about. We don't receive for ourselves. Even though we reap the benefits, we get to bless other people. Hope is a proper perspective of the future. I can have a positive added. It, hope is a proper perspective of the future so that we can have a positive attitude of the present. The Titus 2.11 For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope. See, hope is a person. It's Jesus. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from, a law, from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So that talks about the waiting and why we're waiting on our blessed hope. So let's talk now about peace. This is the second week of Advent. So this is traditionally where we look to peace. Like, what is peace? Peace is this. Peace is also Jesus. And this is what it says in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my own peace. I now give and bequeath you. That's a word we don't use very often. Not, not as the world gives to you do I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. It's funny today. I knew I was going to talk about peace. Guess what I was tempted with today? To be agitated, disturbed, fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. Those were the things I was tempted with today. You can ask my wife. She can attest to it. But God's trying to put peace in us. He's trying to get us to take ourselves out of the equation there. The peace of the word peace often paints, paints an incomplete picture in our minds. So what does God mean by peace? Like I said, I alluded to it earlier. Salvation's very much the same. If we only look at salvation as taking us somewhere, we forget its benefits for today. So the Hebrew word shalom is a word meaning peace, harmony, get this, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. It can be used idiomatically between, to mean both hello and goodbye. So does that sound like it's just tranquility? It is tranquility. 
but it also says completeness. We talked for several weeks about touching heaven and the lady with the issue of blood. I'm not tired of talking about it yet because she had given away everything she had. She, everything she had, she gave away. She trusted every doctor that was in town, and yet she found Jesus and she touched the hem of his garment and she was made complete. She was given shalom. So that gives me a bigger perspective. Harmony. Harmony means that we get to live in peace with each other. Wholeness. We're made whole. Completeness and prosperity. So seeing from a kingdom perspective, I thought that tonight we would just look at some scriptures that refer to shalom, that refer to peace so that we can be building up, so that we can be painting the right picture in our minds. So John 14, 27 in the ESV says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives peace I do not give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. When Jesus said this, he was about to be, he was preparing for, to be put on the cross. He was telling his apostles and his disciples, hey, I'm not going to be here with you much longer like I am right now. But I'm never leaving you. I'm never forsaking you. And I'm giving you peace. I'm just, I put myself in the place of Peter and I'm like, no, God, no, no. You are not leaving me. And I'll cut off somebody's ear if they even try to take you. I just, that visceral response. I can understand that. If, if I got to spend time with the incarnate Jesus, I'd be fighting. I'd be like, no, you can't go. You can't go. And Jesus said, peace I leave with you. Shalom. And this goes all through the scriptures. We often say a blessing at the end of service, and it comes from Numbers 24. It says, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. John 16.33 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Even in that, there's that connection to when we're walking in Him, when we're trusting Him, we have peace. But if we're trying to walk in the world, if we're trying to, if we allow ourselves to even be distracted, that's where I lose peace is when I'm distracted. If I look to God and know, hey, He's got this, He's got me, I don't lose my peace. It's when I allow myself to be distracted. So why are we so distracted? I think there's a, I think there's a reason. We have an enemy, and he's real. And we want to be God. We want to heap things on our own, on our own lust, our own desires. And that's where we lose peace. Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What will you eat, or what will you drink, nor about your body, or what you will put on? Is not life more than food, and body more than clothing? has to do with other people. 
Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You know, interesting thing about a peacemaker. A peacemaker doesn't just try to get along with everyone. A peacemaker wants to make peace. Sometimes a peacemaker will go to war. That's why they call our troops sometimes peacemakers. They're not peacekeepers. Well, let's, let's hope they're not peacekeepers, because if they're peacekeepers, they're they're not doing they're not gonna they're not gonna stand in lasting peace. But it also peace will lead you into rest. Philippians four six, one of my favorites, be careful for nothing. I put this in the King James Version because the careful there it means worry. Don't worry about anything. Don't don't be be careful for nothing. But in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. You know what? You're not going to rock his ship by asking for something big. Ask it. Talk to him. Be in relationship with God. Our prayers, they reveal something. God already knows our heart. He already knows our thoughts. But our prayers reveal something even to us. That's why I believe it's important that we pray out loud, that, that we spend time, as goofy as it may sound, as, as, as bad as you may feel, even if it's in the shower or in the truck, pray to our Father out loud. Ask Him what you, what you need. Supplication means you're asking a request. Here's what happens. So it says, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So you're already thinking, God, God, you've got my back. God, you're awesome. God, you've never let me down even when I've been impatient. Make your request be known to God. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's thankfulness. It's rejoicing. It's, it's not worrying, but trusting that the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep our hearts in mind. I love this psalm, Psalm 4.8. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. He's our safety. He's our safe house. He's, he's the place that we can rest, that we can shut the door, and the devourer has no place. But it goes back to be careful for nothing. Don't worry about something. Because when you worry about it, you're trying to put yourself in the position as your own savior, as if you can do anything to save yourself. You can be wise. There's grace and there's truth. You can listen to the scriptures. But God loves you whether you mess up or you hit a home run. It doesn't change. You can strike out every time you get up to bat. That's not I don't believe that's God's will for you, but His love doesn't change just because of that. If we listen to Him, if we trust Him, our obedience leads to fruitful lives. Here it, here it has to do with getting along. Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another, and if one of you has a complaint against each other, forgive each other. 
As the Lord has forgiven you, so you shall also must forgive. Again, this has to do with shalom. If you want peace, this is how we get there. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If you put the ingredients for a peanut butter cookie in a bowl and mix them up and put them in the oven, guess what you're going to get? Peanut butter cookie. If we plant peace, we reap a harvest of righteousness. Man, that's that's pretty cool. Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace, shalom, at all times, in every way. The Lord be with you all. He doesn't just give things in one area. What I want us to see is his perspective is so much bigger than ours. And if we will simply die to ourselves and allow his peace to wash over us, what an example that makes to your friends at school, to your friends at work, to those that you serve, to those that you pray for. When we encounter heaven, something happens. We start talking a little different. We start seeing a little different. And we start hearing a little different. And when we talk different, when we talk like we've actually encountered heaven, the world sees that. Actually, they hear it. And guess what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when we encounter heaven, when we encounter Jesus, the world changes around us. Isaiah 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I love that. Sometimes I just pray this to myself. I make it personal. You know you can do that with the Scriptures? You can make it personal. Lord, you keep me in perfect peace. My mind is, is focused on you, and I trust you. Sometimes you have to tell yourself what you're going to do. I trust God. It's not some name it, claim it, blab it, have it. It's, it's the truth. I trust God. I know in my spirit, even when my physical eyes don't see what I want to see, I know deep down God has the best for me. I think every one of you do. If you have your spirit renewed inside of you, it's whispering to your flesh going, trust God, just trust me. You keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on you. This is why we focus. This is why we're taking time. On, a, on the busiest season in our country to focus on God. Ask, seek, knock. It will be added unto you. His kingdom will never decrease. We talked about this last week. Sometimes we get so worried that, that things are going to pot. Things are just so bad and so dark. His kingdom will never decrease. I think we've been lied to. I think the 5 o'clock news has lied to us. 
I think some of, some of us who stand in the position of pastor and preacher have lied to us. Because Isaiah 9.6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Shalom that all-encompassing peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So I believe we've been lied to. When we believe the darkness is encroaching, I think his kingdom's overcoming. Now, we have a part to play in this. It's simply to touch heaven. It's simply to believe, to die to ourselves and believe. Let his peace overcome us. Yeah, bad things still happen. Yeah, we have to wait sometimes. Things aren't perfect. We talked about hope last week. We have to have hope because things aren't perfect. But put your okay, so put yourself in in the mindset of an Israelite. So they've been in captivity. They've been slaves. They've been in the desert. They've been all of these places, right? You know, they had Moses was supposed to be their, one of their great saviors. Took them from Pharaoh out to a desert. So things happen and move along, and this this crazy prophet comes along. And he starts talking about this stuff. 700 years before the birth of Christ. So they're talking about this for the next like two, 300 years. And then all of a sudden, the prophets and the teachers, they quit hearing from God for several hundred years. And all they have to do is just keep being faithful. They keep, the few of them that are left, keep focusing on God, keep looking at God. And all of a sudden, we come to Zechariah. And God speaks to him. And I have an imagination that, that God's voice at that moment was probably so foreign that he's like, no way, that ain't happening. So the angel just zipped his lips and said, you aren't saying anything for the next nine months. I've been working on this for 700 years and before. So don't mess it up by what you're about to say. And then... John the Baptist is born to, to Zechariah and Elizabeth. I love the story because Zechariah was hoping. He was praying with this group of people that their Savior was coming. And I think the world probably said, you guys are nuts. You've been saying this for a thousand years. Think about it. Like, this prophet's been dead for generations and generations, and yet this people's still standing on the Word of God. Have you ever thought of the, the longevity it takes to believe? And sometimes we don't have the patience for a three-minute burrito. 
We don't have the patience to stir something up real. To receive the richness of what God has, the fullness of his peace, the fullness of his hope, the fullness of his salvation. So tonight we're going to continue the story in Luke. We read about Zechariah last week. Man, I started reading this this morning. And I just started crying. It's like three or four words got out of my mouth. Jasmine and I were sitting across from each other, and we both just start crying. To us, a Savior is born. It's like we get distracted with all of these other things, and our spirit within us cries out. We just read his word. So Luke one twenty six. in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph and, the, and of the house of David. That was important, going back to that prophecy of the kingdom being resting on, on the lineage of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. Can y'all imagine an angel coming to you and saying, greetings, O favored one? Like, do you feel very favored all the time? I don't. Maybe you do. I'm thinking Mary was probably y'all's age, right? So greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. I'd be scared. But she was greatly troubled, so she was scared too. And saying, and and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him a throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And Of his kingdom, there will be no end. There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How is this since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to me as your word. And the angel departed. So first thing Mary did, I think Mary's a great example to us. She submitted to God and said, Okay, your will be done. Your word, what you said, I believe you. She wasn't going to do what Zechariah did and, and have the angel say, hey, listen to me. I sit with God. I'm in his presence daily. You might want to listen to what I have to say. So Mary didn't do that. I think that's why she was favored. She trusted God. That was cool. And in those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a town in Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. 
And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby in her womb leaped, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, even the sound of your greeting, before the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is he who, who, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I'm just thinking of the, the, the opportunity for fear that this young woman must have had. And her prayer is something I read a lot this time of year. Because her prayer is a prayer that I want to pray. Because if you're in that much of a position that the whole fate of the universe is in your womb and you have peace, that might be a pretty good place to be, right? And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She's thankful. She's rejoicing. For he looked at his, the humble estate of his servant and be, behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She said his word was true. For he is mighty and has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring. So it's a place of rejoicing, of gratitude, and of trust that this young girl who carries the fate of the universe in her womb, has peace. I think that's pretty cool. So I think when we get troubled and we get overwhelmed, we need to take the same approach in our prayers to God. We have a promise that His kingdom will never end. Makes me pretty excited. I'm in His kingdom, are you? Yeah. Have a prayer before we receive communion. If if the gentlemen will go ahead and come and, and prepare the elements and the worship team come up. We're going to receive communion together here in a moment. As as we worship, just come down and uh and get the elements up front and take them back to your seat and we'll re receive them together. There's a prayer that I'd like for us to pray. And if I can so allow me to lead you in this and pray it with me. I'll take a moment just for people to, to finish moving around. All right, let's pray. Prince of Peace, reveal yourself to us today. I'll go ahead and pray with me. We need peace in our lives, our homes, our families our church, and in our whole world 
Help us to slow down and seek out the peace you provide so we may become peacemakers for ourselves and others in your name. Prince of Peace, we pray. Father, we thank you that you are our Prince of Peace, that you are our salvation, that you are our hope, that in you we have joy, and in you we we have your love. We understand your love. Father, I just thank you for continuing to show us peace and the fullness of that. In Jesus' name, amen.